Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got Melissa Lanceman, VP of Public Affairs over at Hill and Knowlton Strategies. And we've got John Dwyer, Director and Vice Chair over at Arius Technologies. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello. Okay. Uh, we got lots to talk about. We're going to talk about the cracks appearing pretty much everywhere on the Liberal Party and a strategy that still makes absolutely zero sense to me. Um, but, you know, I was just talking to Dan McTagg about kind of the, the, the possibility that there could be a growing caucus revolt uh, growing behind the scenes, if in fact Trudeau cannot somehow manage to plug the holes of this leaky boat. And I'm going to start with you on this one, Melissa, because you've got huge amounts of political experience and you've been in the war room. Is this how you would run your war room? Well, you said you said at the beginning that you don't understand their strategy. I, I don't think there is a strategy here. And the bigger, the bigger issue here is this is real brand damage for the Liberals. And it's not... Uh, you know, it's it's not because of all of those stories of solicitor-client privilege or who did what. It's that, you know, it looks like the liberals have done something wrong and they haven't explained themselves. And then they did this to someone who is a woman, someone who is an indigenous woman, and someone who they, uh, you know, they championed as uh, as a star, exactly, as a star in cabinet. And so the, ri- the, the higher you sort of raise yourself on the pedestal, the, the harder and further you fall. Yeah. And John, you're a political guy, but you're not in politics, but you're more of the pulse of like what people are saying. Do you hear people talking about this? Has it kind of hit Main Street? Well, let's just say I'm not in politics for a very good reason. I I formerly worked in politics, uh, but I don't have the stomach for it. I'm not tough enough like people like Melissa. But, uh, you know, look, there are a ton of people talking about it. I mean, primarily a, a huge part of what I do is corporate finance. And you know, the the temperature currently on Bay Street is and always has been, admittedly, that Justin is not fit for the job. But, you know, I think to Melissa's point a moment ago, this is huge brand damage. And it's also very, um, to a certain degree, uncharacteristic insofar as, like, Justin always seems pretty well scripted. And he always seems to, like, be on the right side of history as it comes to all things small L liberal, you know, always being very respectful when addressing, uh, um, um, you know, people of, of any different ethnicity and, and being very particular about his uh, gender uh, nouns that he uses. And I People think, kind. Yeah, that, that really all went out the window <laughs> recently. And I think it's a function of his anxiety. And I think that there is an unraveling that's happening here. And it's a byproduct of, 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 of some really bad decisions. And Alex, you've been talking about this since, his, since, his, uh, you know, uh, since he took uh, the Liberals to government. Um, I don't think that they're nearly as smart as everybody uh, pretends that they are. And I think a lot of this has been... Well, they were... Look, it emotion. was very obvious. And, and by the way, I said he was done on the first... I think he's done. I've, I've, I said it on the first day that this scandal hit. He is done. It, it's, Hang it's, on. Yeah, no, no, you're done. Sit down. Um, but I don't think they can survive this it, only because it's Robert Fife who reported it. You can't knock down the story and they aren't letting go because there's blood in the water. There's so much. Well, they could have out. knocked down the story, uh, you know, a million times sure. in the last seven days, but they didn't because like, there is a story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, day seven of a story is huge in politics. And, you know, to John's point, it is penetrating on the ground. And I'm sure that we'll see some polls, you know, really soon that we're in the field around that time. And, uh, and you know, the more that people hear about it and the more that people think that there's something nefarious going on and the more that things like Justice Committee doesn't want to study it. You know, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, 
It's probably right. a duck. Yeah, and the, the other thing is, you know, Stephen Harper, uh, whether you hated or loved him or Jean Chrétien, you know, when they spoke, there was an authority there. They could shut down a message. So, I mean, look, Chrétien, the proof is in the proof. is a proof. They could shut it down and kind of push it off. I don't get the sense that Trudeau is feeling that confident. I don't get the sense that he believes even what he is saying, John. Yeah, when Justin gets angry, it's kind of like that one person in the office who, like, gets riled up every once in a while. And everybody just politely, in a professional, courteous way, is like, well, you know, Really, way to put your heart into it, Steve. But you really, nobody's really taking him seriously. And it kind of feels that way. And it, and it makes me kind of harken back to how many times on the international stage behind closed doors did some of the other international leaders probably spend more than 20 minutes with Justin and be like, what's going on with this guy? Like, this is just, you know, great, well beyond the nice hair, though. I honestly, People have said to me, and I have people who I know people who grew up with Justin, and they've said the man is not a man of great substance. He can tell a message. He's a great actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other the other thing, and I wrote about this in my opening because I I do think that this is a very big big uh, warning to us because it wasn't even three weeks ago that this government announced this quote disinformation and foreign interference plan, and part of that would be this creation of a liberal panel which will deem what it thinks is fake news. And had this story been broken by, I think, anybody else outside of a handful, maybe a David Aiken or a Mercedes, so someone really kind of in the upper echelons of Ottawa, had it, had it come out from anybody else, let's say the Toronto Sun, this thing would have been ruled fake news. And I'm a, I got a big concern about that, Melissa, because this is exactly the kind of story that they would be able to call a news conference on and say, hey, we've determined this is fake news. No government in power should have the power to censor. No, certainly not, and, and I think we're seeing that. Uh, you know, we're seeing good examples of that in the in 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 the U.S. and the animosity between sort of politicians, and particularly the president, uh, and uh, and the media. The, the media have a role to play uh, in in terms of being the arbitrator of uh, of of media. Well, politicians don't do that. Just like they're not the arbitrators of uh, of, of stepping into justice cases or the arbitrators <laughs> of the of the police, like this is a this is obviously a pattern. Yeah, apparently we apparently we live in Venezuela, John. But you know you can already yeah. see it. They're calling it a witch a witch hunt. You've got uh, you know uh, what else? She's difficult. You've got the uh, fishing expedition. You got a partisan. I mean, they are spinning themselves into circles like. This, this is not over no, uh, God, no, for them. No, no. I, and I don't I actually don't think for the prime minister, uh, I think I think the worst of it hasn't begun because oh, I think God, you, no. you pay attention. You know, the best case scenario is is a, is a he said, she said. But I think we're past that. Uh, I think when you look at cases that are coming through the courts right now, if you look at, you know, the Mark Norman case, yep. uh, you know, that's something to watch. And oh, when when you see a case pattern of in yeah. government, uh, that's when uh, that's when Canadians say, hang on a second. There's something fishy going on. Yeah, John, yeah, last word. Yeah, go ahead. Melissa, Melissa, you'll be acutely aware of this because I think a big swell behind the support behind Doug Ford was really this over, over you know, this sentiment of I'm sick and tired yeah. of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is now going to apply to Justin. And by the way, the, the federal conservatives done a terrific job of not putting Andrew Scheer anywhere near this. They're just like, this mm, house is on fire, let them burn it down yeah. themselves. Right? But you know who has risen? I got to be honest, if the NDP, and I'm talking to you, if you guys are not actually looking at Nathan Cullen and saying, look, that guy should be leading your party. He was terrific yesterday. He's the only competent person they've got. 
And, and if they put him in, I think they could really, uh, ch- this is the time to do the change of leadership because they could actually, I think, Melissa, um, score some 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 big points off this. Yeah, look, I've always said that uh, you know, Nathan Cullen or frankly anybody else, who anybody. The, uh, the NDP would be a credible threat. Uh, on the left, which, you know, there there is a, you know, there is there is a, a known, you know, fact in Canadian politics that when you, you know, split the left, yep. you know, the right comes up the center. So I have a vested interest in a strong NDP uh, as, a, as a partisan conservative. Uh, Nathan Cullen would absolutely be a threat, but uh, we're not there. Not yet. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got our Counterpoint panel here. We got Melissa Lansman and John Dwyer. Um, growing calls for the resignation of Lisa McLeod. She is, of course, the Minister of Ontario's Children, Community and Social Services. It's a very hard, hard file. Uh, but the Ontario Association for Behavior Analysis alleged that she had pressured them to support the changes to the autism program, saying it would be a long four years if they didn't uh, publicly support her. Um, But Doug Ford came out today and was asked, you know, will he ask for her resignation? Here's what he said. I would never ask uh, Lisa McLeod. She's an absolute all-star. I would never, ever, I want to repeat that, ever ask Lisa to resign. But I got to compliment the minister. Uh, Minister McLeod has been working day in and day out to make sure that we have a sustainable system for families that have children with autism. I have all the confidence in the world in uh, Minister McLeod and, and the file that she's been handling. It's one of the most difficult files. But do you know what my kryptonite is? My kryptonite is when you talk about children. You talk about children with autism. That is a tough, tough file. And I, I think the minister's done an incredible job. There you go. Never is a long time, Mr. Ford. You may have to at some point. But I don't think, um, Melissa, and I'll start with you on this one, this one is a very tough file to solve. This oh, for is sure. not fixable in one thing. No, it's not even this file. It's the it's the ministry, the conglomerate of ministries that uh, that has been uh, entrusted uh, in uh, in Minister McLeod. And if you know her, um, this is uncharacteristic of her behavior. She came out and apologized. We, you know, we don't ask for, for resignations for, for things like that. We have to stop using children with autism as political pawns in this like the system that was uh you know that was in place beforehand with uh with the liberals that left 75 percent of children with autism uh you know high and dry uh with no services wasn't the right system so uh, you know i don't know this this outrage was sort of there but it seems like it's doubled when uh you know when she's attempted to work hard to uh uh to to bring solutions to uh to families that had nowhere to go And, and that's a concern john because there is real desperation a lot of fear with these parents they're caught in the middle and my concern would be that there's a lot of politics from from special interest groups or even the unions, um, you know, that are whipping up the frenzy, you know, scaring them that there's not anything there for them. Yeah, I guess I guess there's two things that I'd, I'd probably want to say, and, and the first of, is is in defense of the minister, as somebody who has to work with clinicians quite frequently. Uh, being a clinician in and of itself, and, and and I say that in reference to the people that have the incredibly difficult job of of, of creating uh, management protocols and basically going to government trying to get the kind of capital to help these families out. But they live in a very different world than certainly a politician or many other folks would. And they have, call it a rubric of ways that they go about, you know, looking at how, how resources are used. And um, the big problem here, and this is the other item what I think kind of flows from that, 
is the huge gulf between what these kids actually need and what it costs and what the province can afford. And what services so, are available. There's a well, lot of services aren't available. Yeah, we're talking $140,000 uh, that, that the province is basically allocating to these 23,000 waiting children, uh, families rather, of, of, of kids. And that, that 140k is going to basically be allotted between the age of 2 and 18. And what the advocates are saying, and nobody's saying they're wrong, but what the advocates are saying is it can cost up to $80,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's no fix here. And it uh, honestly, it's just, it, it's really mm-hmm. tough. So I sympathize with what the not, not in seven months. That's not to suggest at no time when I talked to uh, uh, the minister or, or the um, parliamentary assistant, did they say that this was like a one-time thing? I mean, they did say that the education and health file will also be doing stuff. But this is a starting point, and it really is to get that, that list down, you know? It, it, look, it's it's incredibly difficult, but I but I you know I can I can understand the frustration that would happen on, on the governmental For level, sure. and, and I understand that it's uncharacteristic of the minister. However, working with clinicians day in and day out is enough to make anybody act uncharacteristically because they have a tendency to be unreasonable. And look. Um, they're doing it for the best interest of the patients. But, you know, that's not to say that the minister's actions or what the Ford government is trying to do is trying to negate the problem. They're just trying to figure out a way to pay for it. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit. I found this headline interesting. The Toronto police have to scrap. They scrapped a plan that would give them, um, you know, a, t- a piece of technology that they were looking to pick up. Uh, to find the sounds of gunfire and then report it to frontline officers um, and they want to get rid of this. They're not going to impl- implement this because they say it violates charter rights. Now, this was a, a technology that if a gun is used, it has the ability to tell the police where it's coming from so that they could then, you know, zone in and catch whoever did it. But, you know, here we've got time and time again, Melissa, where we're looking at charter rights and possibilities and whatever uh, that stops us from solving anything. I think it's a load of BS that they're not implementing this. Look, I'm never going to say the charter rights aren't important in this country. It's uh, uh, it's frankly what governs a lot of our system and uh, um, and, and gives us um, a lot of faith in uh, um, in the justice system. That said, we need to find a solution to the gun violence. There's another shooting in the west end of uh, of Toronto uh, yesterday, and you know the solution is technologies like this. They asked for it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why it, it uh, all of a sudden it uh, it isn't uh, going to be implemented. I, th- I think, frankly, they're bowing to political pressure. But we've got to do something. And it, you know, it's something that has to do with technology. It's something to do with more cops on the street. It's not more programs of like after school dodgeball. And and that's the political pressure that they're getting. They're getting you know stories of more community policing is going to stop gun violence. Like we're here now, and you know we're coming up onto uh, you know last year was one of the worst years of gun violence in uh, in Toronto. So we've got to do something. And and frankly, the police have uh, have a responsibility, and our political leaders have a responsibility to come up with actual solutions. Yeah, well, but I, I, go I ahead, John. Dis- I have to disagree with you. I, I think that the after school programs. And the intensive programs, especially kids between the ages of eight to twelve, where it's that. It's but but John, hold on. Period. That that can be done too. But this is an immediate fix, so yeah, that but, cops can go into these neighborhoods and instead of searching, you know, five miles around, they can go to that particular area and say, "This is where it went off," and get the bad guys. That's what we've got to stop right away. But yeah, do I do agree with you? You have to invest in the communities. Yeah, we're, we're talking about catching people who shoot somebody. Somebody get somebody in your community getting caught for shooting and killing somebody else. 
doesn't dissuade anybody else from getting a gun and shooting somebody. There is statistical evidence to prove that all day long. Mm. So I guess the point of it is, why are we having this discussion? Is it about reducing gun violence or is it about catching people who shoot people? Because those are two very different things. Can it be both? Yeah, well, all I'm saying is that it's not a preventative mechanism. It's just a really great tool for the police to catch people. I just don't think we should conflate the two. I, I don't, pardon my pun, but I don't think there's a you know there's a silver bullet to uh, to solving this. Uh, but I think a, a number of solutions have to be brought forward. And and frankly, I, I don't think any have uh, no. And they keep bending uh, for political reasons when we actually just need a solution now. Yeah. All right, guys, I gotta let you go there, but I do thank you so much for sharing this very romantic day with me. Appreciate it. Good night. Good night. (laughs) John Dwyer and Melissa Lanceman joining me tonight here on Counterpoint. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.